0: What I've learned about virtual events, especially as virtual event fatigue has set in, is that whatever you're providing them has to be something that is uh, challenging, but also appropriate for, for that given audience.
1: Welcome to the Channel Mastery Podcast. If you're a specialty business and brand leader obsessed with understanding what the most effective channels are today to connect with, serve, and sell to your target consumers, then you've just found the perfect podcast and community. My name is Kristen Carpenter, and I'm your host and the founder of Verde Brand Communications, the presenting sponsor of Channel Mastery. Verde created the Channel Mastery podcast to level the playing field for the specialty brands we serve. Every week on this show, we study how consumer preferences are changing and the evolving channels they like to use to engage with their favorite brands. Once again, welcome to Channel Mastery and subscribe today. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Channel Mastery podcast. I am very proud to introduce to you today my friend and one of Verde's esteemed clients, Michelle Duffy, who is the director of off road events and marketing for Lifetime. Welcome to the show. Yay. Hi, guys. Thanks, Kristen, for having me. Yes, here we are in December of 2020. And what a year it's been. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, that's what we're here to talk about today how a company like you know, Lifetime's event and media division pivots during a pandemic and all of the accoutrements that came with that this year. (laughs) Because there were, yes, a lot. Um, So I'm just going to give a little bit of a background and then we'll go into that topic right away. Um, So I'm not sure if everybody listening here knows that Lifetime, the wellness pioneer that operates luxury athletic resorts and health clubs, is the company behind such iconic dirt events as Leadville and um, Unbound, formerly known as Dirty Kanza, The Big Sugar, um, so many, I know I'm only mentioning the bike right now, forgive me, but Michelle's you know understands that that's kind of where personally my heart is, especially with Leadville. But what I wanted to share, why I wanted to have Michelle on the show today is what the Lifetime team has done. They are a small and mighty team with a huge heart and a huge commitment to their amateur athletes. And I can attest from firsthand experience, this the events that they put on are life-changing because of the community and because of what they call forth out of you to do as part of that community, and it stays with you the rest of your life. And Michelle, you and your team really understood that on such a cellular level, going into this and realized that you had to do... Lots of things, and really try some things and see what worked and what didn't. But you you stayed in action to try and be of service to this community, which is what I think is so amazing about what you and the team have done this year. And I just first want to commend you for that because I know it hasn't been easy. Um, but I also think you as a you know our leader, ha- it's been really amazing to watch you not only pivot with new ideas and and test and learn along the way, but the way that you and the more corporate lifetime team have worked together to remain nimble, probably more nimble than you ever have been before, I would imagine, during such a time like this. And so I just wanted to to have you talk a little bit about what it was like for you and the team to realize that your events were not going to be the gathering place and the place where you serve your amateur athletes in 2020 and, and kind of what went through your head when you realized that. And I guess back in the early part of the year, like, where were you with all of that?
0: Yeah, and I, I actually remember where I physically was the first time that we had to make a decision like that, and I was down at, at Mid-South um, when that was mid-March, and everything was coming to its peak at that point. Things were getting real. Uh, towns and cities around the country were starting to lock down, and we uh, we first had a camp upcoming, uh, the DK Training Camp, which was now known as Un- the Unbound Gravel Training Camp, And just evaluating the climate and thinking about having to cancel an event is not something that we do. I mean, we've had events in Leadville through hailstorms the size of tennis balls and um, sat on the edge of our seats while there's been fires going on through Colorado, but they haven't impacted our courses. So to then think about having to cancel an event, albeit just a training camp to begin with, was still something that that's not what we, we produce events. We do, Um, and, and having to cancel that first event, it felt isolated. Like it felt like this is early on. We have to make this, this decision early on and the rest of the year is still ours for the taking. And that transition from like a first cancellation and a hopeful remainder of the season to a few postponements, um, which still, that felt so far in, but we were we were simply postponing because surely this thing would be gone by September. So to push a May June event back to September felt okay. Um, but then it turned into canceling not one, not two. I think I have 19 events in my portfolio, and I, we canceled all of those throughout the year. And what what felt so off or or wrong for us for me was emotionally, yes, these are running races or cycling events, but we're creating life changing experiences. And always, like, whatever we're doing is contributing positively, whether that person holds on to the event experience, it's just another like notch in the belt for them, or it's something that changes their life for the entirety of their life we're always providing something euphoric, joy, a point on the calendar that you, your family, your loved ones, your coworkers know you're trending towards. And to then cancel that was, it's not just like you're closing a store down for a short time and you're not able to go get your groceries at the store you're used to going to or go get your drink at the bar you're going to. This is like, we're dream makers and we became dream breakers. And that was really hard for us because it's so foreign to crush people. <laughs> and yeah, usually our courses are what's crushing people, but not the the ability to have the event. Right, so that was emotional.
1: I think for the whole team and for our communities. Absolutely, and and you just summed it up so perfectly. So Michelle has a great background in digital marketing, and I think that you and your team have gotten so close to your athletes, and you have been at these events and trained for them yourself. Like, you know your audience backwards and forwards. Would you say that that's one of the reasons why this was so heavy and so tough for you to accept?
0: Definitely. And I think even beyond me, the rest of the team, like, as it goes through our team ranks, like, each team member is so ingrained in what we do. Um, we're always, it's always preached to us that we're creating life-changing experiences and it's, we don't take that to just like simply what it is on paper. It's like, it's life-changing because we're immersing ourselves with these athletes uh, on social media. I mean, the digital platforms are huge for us. Like we've built relationships with these athletes, got to know our consumers because of the engagement that we have with them digitally. And then it translates on site. So just knowing how um, important these events are to them is what made it harder, more, more so than us. And obviously, we went through like many organizations, internal changes, and we had to furlough staff. And even our staff that was on furlough, like having day-to-day conversations with them who also were like, how are we doing? How are the athletes doing? What's the plan? It was never about an individual staff member. It was always about the community. Which mm-hmm. says a lot. I think it's why our events are
1: as amazing as they are. I totally agree. And as, you know, one of your lieutenants, right? I feel like I love the two pronged approach that we have, where we focus on the actual physical community and the race community. And part of that is sometimes a great founder story, but really it's the physical community. So let's talk about that with um, the virtual camp that you and your team stood up in an incredible record time Mm -hmm. and you had really great turnout and participation. And let's talk about like kind of the emotional connection that you had with with your folks back for that DK gravel camp in April.
0: Yeah. And actually the Verde team helped us pull that off as quickly as we did as well. And when we, when we canceled our, our camp, again, it was the first cancellation we were making of the year. Virtual races hadn't really taken off and, um, anything that was virtual was seemed to be pretty well engaged with. And we only had the capacity for around 60 athletes at our training camp. And yes, we had to cancel it, but then turn the conversation of how, well, how can can we engage with those athletes and not just those athletes, but more? I mean, we have thousands of athletes that are registered for formerly DK and they're everyone's looking for something to latch on to. Our partners are looking for a way to activate and by eliminating camp, we removed that, but maybe we can provide them something greater. So we worked on creating this virtual camp where instead of impacting 60 people, we impacted over 500 who were engaging with video content, um, just different types of programming, getting to know our sponsors, redeeming sponsor content, and also getting to know the community. Many have never had the opportunity to experience Emporia, Kansas before, and this would be their first opportunity to do that. And we took them around town. We had welcome videos from local business owners, and the the spirit of what makes Unbound DK as special as it is really shone through there. That said, we pulled it off in about 10 days, um, and we're talking hours and hours worth of content that the team was trying to curate ourselves, and we didn't hire a videographer. We were Teaching ourselves iMovie and cutting video and uploading it and figuring out ways to make things live where they could be. And the team worked around the clock to get that done. But it, if it did anything, it showed the athletes how important making them the hero was for our team. Like it nobody complained about the fact that we were working around the clock for 10 days. And especially that weekend, I mean, cutting content like 30 minutes before it was scheduled to go live. Um, But that's just, that's what
1: we do. I mean, we wanted to impact as many people as we could. Right. And let's talk about um, the reaction that some of the people had. I think a lot of the people who signed up for that. um, I remember really clearly when we were talking about like the donation amounts that we had, we left it up to people like, you know, that there was, there was a uh, opportunity for them to um, actually support the community of Emporia, which literally looks at the unbound gravel weekend as Christmas. I mean, it literally is like a Black Friday to a retailer to that entire town. And I think the, the people who even hadn't seen Emporia or been there in person before felt compelled to support that community as part of the event. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like to kind of adjust the plan when we saw the generous people that were signing up.
0: Yeah. And we had made it pretty low cost, but um, all the proceeds to go back to Emporia. And then we started to see the consumers were just opting to donate. And they, at the start, we had set the donation amounts at something like five, 10 or 20, and everyone was going on like the highest end. So we changed the donation amounts and folks were turning around and donating an additional like. $50, $100 to impact the community. And that makes a difference. We heard from so many people how Emporia has changed their life and they were happy to provide something. We heard from people that had never been to Emporia but were so looking forward to being here. And especially during
1: that time, it felt like the spirit of giving was really alive. Absolutely. And it's such a specialty feeling. I mean, this podcast is all about helping specialty brands, um, you know, show up to their consumers in such a crowded, (laughs) And you know, we don't even have to get into that because it's more crowded than ever as everybody's online right now. But what I loved most about that was looking at just the emotional tie that people had, not only to the event, but to the people who produced the event on the ground. And they considered the townspeople part of that, which was really, really fantastic to see. And it was like the proof was in the action and you guys weren't even asking them to take action, which was one of the coolest parts of it. Yeah, for sure. I'm. There was,
0: it, There was never a point where we were prompting after content for folks to donate. It was something that they just, that was a user path that they would
1: find themselves. Yep. And that's such a cool way to learn about people. You also learned a lot about the type of content that your campers and people in that community of, of gravel enthusiasts were looking for. So, what were some of the um, some of the programs that you provided in that virtual weekend that you were surprised uh, in terms of the content consumption around it?
0: Yeah, we had plenty of um, like mechanic sessions that performed really well, or um how to apply sealant to your tire and like those i think we expected them to perform so well but again not for to sound redundant but back to the community the pieces of content that got the most engagement, that got the most commentary were those where we were talking about what the event means to us as staff or um, featuring local businesses. And we just saw so many comments coming in of like, I've been there. I love that coffee shop or uh-huh. um, this this video made me cry. And that was way beyond any other content that we provided folks and there was a lot of educational content and don't get me wrong it was absorbed it especially when we provided um course content so another thing that we did do uh, it probably was one of the better performing pieces is each morning of camp we would release an hour and a half to two hours worth of course footage that we had went out um in a in a truck as well as a dirt bike and recorded the whole course and you know, we couldn't pull off a a Zwift integration in 10 days, but what we could do is provide people with course footage that while they were riding their indoor trainer, knowing that at that time, most folks, A, because of weather and B, because of COVID were stuck inside. Um, I think earlier on in COVID people, you know, we were discouraged to even work out outside. So we provided an hour and a half to two hours worth of course footage that People were just putting up on their computer screens and doing their workout, too, and getting to experience the Flint Hills in a more virtual way. Um, And
1: that was really well absorbed as well. That was awesome. I participated in that, too, because I haven't done the event yet, but I'm really excited to, hopefully in 2021. Um, Let's move on to talk about the Leadville 100,000-foot challenge. (laughs) Can you tell the awesome Channel Mastery audience what that is? the pivot and kind of what you were surprised about and proud of with that there's so much and I think this is probably um, a pivot
0: that we're most proud of from this past year we have traditionally had the Leadville Trail 100 run and Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike race and we knew that we were canceling that season and we wanted to come out with uh, something that felt applicable some What I've learned about virtual events especially as virtual event fatigue has set in and we're seeing a surplus of virtual events and a probably a decrease in virtual event participants is that whatever you're providing them has to be something that is uh, challenging but also appropriate for for that given audience and a uniqueness of Leadville is like, it's not easy to complete an event there, whether that's the heavy half, like the heavy half in the trail marathon, or have often been ranked in the top 10 hardest halves or falls in the world, Uh, or it's the Leadville trail 100 run that has less than a 50% finisher rate. Some years they're not challenging, but they're doable. So we knew that whatever challenge we wanted to put out there, didn't need to be so like literally the Leadville Trail 100. It just needed to be something that was challenging, engaging, but totally doable. Mm -hmm. And it it was kind of obvious for us, which is just just like, let's make it the Leadville 100,000. And Leadville is also known for its climbing. So climb 100,000 feet and you get the belt buckle, which you would get a belt buckle if you cross the finish line of a, one of our 100-mile races. And we just had fun, like, with such a premium brand. Like, everything about the Leadville Race Series brand is clean. The colors are, like, black, silver, gold. The swag you get is gold and bronze and silver plated. Like, it is a premium, clean brand. The fonts, everything – And we took our logo and essentially like made it look like we sharpied in a comma zero zero (laughs) zero for 100,000. And we're like, this is our opportunity to still be Leadville, but to have fun because everyone is missing Leadville, but needs something fun to engage with at home. And 100,000 feet is ridiculously hard in an area like Florida or Ohio. But we came out with different Content pieces or suggestions on how you okay you live in Florida. Well, find a bridge and figure out how what the elevation gain is on that bridge, and go and do it as many times as you need to until you hit hundred thousand feet. And we had people do that, and we had people manipulate their treadmills to add even more vertical gain on their treadmill so they could accomplish it. Or they spent a lot of time on the trainer. And um, we also launched a, a relay option, which was really successful, um, particularly for families. So. Children haven't been able to participate in our events, um, but they could do this challenge with their mom. And we saw mom and son, dad and daughter uh, going out and riding or hiking. It kind of became a big hiking challenge for folks to get their elevation gain in. And then the most amazing part of it all was we pledged to donate 100% of the proceeds back to the Lifetime Foundation, um, which the Lifetime Foundation's focus is on eliminating the harmful seven ingredients in food and in school food uh, programs. And we were in the final stages of solidifying our relationship with the Lake County School District in Leadville. And we knew we needed to raise a certain amount of money so that like that would just be taken care of. And we raised something like $150,000, which completely funds the program for the next few years to get it up and running. And we we really did not expect to raise anything near that. We didn't expect our registration numbers to be as high as they were. Um, But we had folks that have participated in some of our events before or have never experienced a Leadville event um, before, but have dreamt of it, or they just don't live near trails where they feel confident enough, but they've read a book or seen a movie about the event. And so that, that was really amazing just to see the engagement from, I think it was something like 40 countries and every, all 50 States. And
1: yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it is just such a special place and it really does call you to be able to become your best, like in a way you never thought you could before. And that's mostly because of all of the people that are in it to win it with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and again, like that is why that, that this
0: challenge was so special um, because we didn't just say, okay, we're canceling this event. And in lieu of missing this 26 mile race, you're going to do 26 miles virtually in your home. It's like, let's scrap the distances thing. Let's scrap what everyone's expecting a virtual race to be this is not a virtual race this is a challenge because leadville is a challenge and the goal of getting to leadville is just to finish so what are all of the different um brand pillars what are all, all what's the dna makeup of the leadville race series who is that like let's let's create a person and then what event should they be doing they they can be of all disciplines of all physical capabilities but what's the one thing that like they can all do that makes sense with our brand. Like don't depart from the brand because that is what makes it so special. And I, I truly do think that is like a huge piece of this. We give finisher jackets and we personalize the sleeve of every finisher jacket. Well, like let's have fun with that. We gave everyone t-shirts. And if you finish, we personalize your sleeve of the t-shirt with you how long it took you to accomplish it. And we, didn't provide the fancy gold and silver belt buckle, but we had a completely fresh looking belt buckle. And that's so much
1: different than a metal or (laughs) drinkware. Yeah. And it's Leadville. Yep. Totally. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the donations that Lifetime has made across the country to school districts, because this is a big vision that I wanted to share with Channel Mastery and how it really shows how a brand can create incredible positive change.
0: Yeah, so the Lifetime Foundation, I don't want to butcher any of their numbers, but they are currently impacting school districts anywhere from Lake County, uh, Leadville, a town of under 3,000 to the New York City public school system. And they fully fund the program. Um, They collect donations through many ways, but we're actually starting to move into more of a micro donation model using our events as, as a pillar for that. Um, but they, they fund from, depending on the school's needs, it can be as much as the funding the staffing, bringing in, bringing in a chef, um, they bring in a nutritionist that evaluates every ingredient that the school is currently using to determine what should stay and what should go. Um, then there's a nutritionist that comes in and creates their recipes, their meal plans, and Um, through COVID, has actually, for schools around the country, just been covering the cost for uh, meals for students um, through the summer when school was not in session. Through remote school now, um, they're funding many schools lunch and
1: breakfast. That's That's really cool. That is so cool, Um, especially also knowing just how busy parents are. I mean, (laughs) let alone obviously the families in need, but there are plenty of families out there with both parents working or a single parent working multiple jobs who are working from home. And it's just, it's, it's incredible what you're doing. It's, it's really, really amazing. Um, and the numbers that we have is an astounding $320,000 was raised by over 4,000 athletes across the nation for the lifetime foundation to donate to school food programs in
0: 2020. Yeah. And I mean, back to pivoting, when we provided our donation, our deferral options for athletes, donating your entry fee to the Lifetime Foundation was an option for them. And that's where that $320,000 number comes from. So athletes, rather than taking a refund or a deferral into the following year, opted to donate their entry fee. And all of the, based on the event, all of the donations. Um, stayed within that community. So all of the donations from Leadville were donated back into Leadville or all the donations from Emporia or Miami or New York City or Chicago
1: stayed within their given community. That's amazing. To the school system, yeah. So let's switch gears as we work to wrap up the show here today because I was curious to hear, we had uh, quite a huge curveball thrown at us as did a lot of companies um, and brands in 2020 around diversity, equity, and inclusion with the Dirty Kansas name change to Unbound, which everybody hear me, like if that alone was what 2020 was in terms of like the difficulty and challenge for this team, it would have been a lot. But to have to manage that on top of everything else that they were doing, it was literally an an endurance effort like none other. (laughs) I've never seen anything like it. (laughs) Talk to us about where we are with that now because it's behind us and here we are heading into the new, I just got my Unbound Gravel magazine. I'm like saving it to look at tonight. I'm super excited. Um, But talk to us about like where we are with that. Sure. Um, Yeah, we, our name formerly was Dirty Kanza
0: and um, it was originally intended to be simply um dirty to represent what happened to you when you rode the roads in the flint hills of Kansas and Kanza because this is known as the Kansas Prairie, um, previously uh inhabited by the Kaw Nation um, who goes by Kansas. Also important to note that the state name Kansas evolves from the word Kansas and um that that was what the name was intended to be, but if you look at the name from another angle, um, Kanza representing the people associated with the word dirty, um, it has it was raised to us that it was derogatory. And I mean, we fully agree it had been raised a couple of times. And I think the team was finally at a point of being ready to make that change and doing it in the right way. And, you know, uh, 2020 happened and we <laughs> were definitely came under fire. Um, understandably so. And the team committed to a rebrand back in June. And um, we went through that exercise for a few months. And I know that June to November can seem like a lot of months, but actually for a big rebrand like that, it's a pretty um, condensed timeline to get everything switched over from new name, new brand, new feel, new website. (laughs) We're we're marketers, we understand everything that goes into a rebrand. And um, we officially launched our new brand maybe four weeks ago now um, to Unbound Gravel. And, um, and we have an amazing logo and some really cool colors that really represent the the Flint Hills. But Unbound, um, while it doesn't necessarily feel as obvious to the region as a name like Kanza, um, it's if if you've been here and you've experienced riding here, you've experienced this event, it's really has more of a transcendent um, representation of the area. I mean, it's supposed to represent the feeling that people feel out there. Like these roads, these, the prairie, it, it feels limitless. Um, and you're kind of stepping away from all of reality when you're out there riding 50, 100, 200, 350 miles of, Flint Hills gravel. Um, It's also, it's pretty unforgiving out there. And um, yeah, so we're excited and no, no rebrand is easy. You know, I I've joked, like, how do you rebrand Pepsi or how do you rebrand Nike? Like, uh, and while I understand we are not Pepsi or Nike, we are in our
1: space. Yes. That's really so right. Yes, (laughs) Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've admired this about you since I started working with you. You are a consummate professional and so disciplined about marketing principles and positioning and just the importance of like the permission that you need to go to a look and feel and a new name. I learned a ton going through that experience with you. And I thought it was remarkable that you pulled in the community to be a part of that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's something that maybe the broader industries and community don't know, know don't really know the depth mm-hmm. of the door you opened.
0: Yeah, um, when we knew we wanted to go through rebrand, like, firstly, it's important to know that, or to note that we are lifetime. So, um, you know, we have tens of thousands of employees around the country and can often be looked at as a corporate giant. Um, what's interesting is like there's always a there's always like a step down from that because we have like our corporate master brand and then we're like this small events division and then within our events division we have these smaller more local offices so there's like all of these tiers to it but we really have been empowered through this process from corporate from my leadership team to do it right, be diligent. And again, like lead with community because that's what makes our events so special. I know I've said that over and over again, but it's truly like the core of everything we do. And when we went through this rebrand, it couldn't simply be um, to just think of a new name by ourselves or with our corporate agency or to hire some big agency. It's like, let's find something that truly is representative of what everyone feels when when they're out there and we tapped into well firstly we did spend time with the Khan nation and I, I think that's really important to say too there's a reason that we walked away from using the word kansa there's a reason that we couldn't use some other names that we would like to and that's just purely out of respect for that tribe like we had the most diplomatic conversation with them but if you're this small tribe like the, you have bigger fish to than mm-hmm. to field <clears throat> requests from cycling media about an event that you have no tie to, so that that decision was hard and easy at the same time. It's like really difficult to feel like you failed a group, but at the same time, it was like a little freeing to say, okay, it's time to completely reinvent who we are. Um, but then we created this survey, and we surveyed dozens of individuals from all of our sponsors to uh, past champions, to locals, to just Uh, folks within the gravel community um, and we asked them questions like what does the event mean to you? What words come to mind uh, while you're out there? And just started to create some word clouds based off of that. And then we created a task force that included um, marketing professionals like Kristen, um, (laughs) some cyclists like both pro and amateur local business owners within Emporia because our community again is not just the Emporia community but it's not just the gravel cycling community either it's it's um it's both mm-hmm. and then we had a few marketers on there as well and we met i believe four times to go through different names and the colors of the logo and the direction that we were heading there and you know that process is never going to be perfect once you put a lot of cooks in the kitchen you're asking for opinions and we definitely received opinions i i'm not going to say that every single person on that task force felt like we ended up with the name that they loved the most but at the same time it felt it it was definitely atypical to go through a rebrand and to hear that feedback so raw because that's we saw all of these glimpses that's why I think it was easy when we launched the rebrand and we saw really positive feedback and really negative feedback and truly like our, our skin was thick at that point. And yes, because we had a focus group the whole time that like, wasn't, we didn't want them to hold back. It's like, tell us what you think. Yeah. And, and so we, we had heard all of these different angles already and that's what helped us get to where we got to and also helped us to be equipped for the varying feedback we were about to receive
1: it's going to be very exciting to see in 2021 and beyond just how the start lines evolve and i know lifetime has a huge commitment to that as well can you speak to that a little bit before i ask you the final question about big sugar
0: yeah um, we have firstly lifetime pledged 100 grand towards to get us started on our dei initiatives across our full event portfolio, which does include other events um, than my own, such as the New York City Triathlon or the Miami Marathon. And we have taken a few um, early action items there. Um, Firstly, I I don't think that I've seen other um, event organizations do this yet, but just to get a baseline understanding of who our audience is We have baked um, questions that match the U.S. Census questions into our registration. They're completely optional for people to answer, but just addressing um, sexuality, gender, identification, and race, because we can't see if we are evolving as a brand unless we better understand who we currently are speaking to. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a longer term thing, um, but we need a benchmark. So we're laying the groundwork there. Um, we've also added a non-binary category to our events. Um, so that is a big deal. Um, it's and a really big deal. Yeah, we're. I mean, it's time for that. So that has been added. And then we um, have also actually, um, I'm not sure when this episode's dropping, but as of today, <laughs> we have committed to a, a partnership with Major Taylor uh, Cycling Association where we're providing them with, entries and expo space um, at Unbound Gravel. um, And we're working on what we're doing for some of our other events. Uh, But it's an African-American cycling group. Um, We'll be primarily partnering with the Kansas City chapter and the Midwest uh, surrounding states. And um, they'll be bringing a whole cohort out to the event and we'll have some training rides with them to introduce the Flint Hills and some of the harder course um, sections. But they'll be coming out and participating in our event for the first time. I think they're having a special jersey made and everything. So we're really excited about that. And then one of the most exciting things um, for me is we've been working on this for a few months, but next year we will be launching a three-part virtual women's retreat that will take place in March, in May, and in July, uh, where we'll be addressing hot topics for women. um, Anything from getting more comfortable, uh, bikepacking or, uh, backpacking to training at night on your own or running through menopause or menstrual cramps. And <laughs> so <laughs> but just like addressing the outdoor, um, the outdoor industry as a whole, in order to make women feel more comfortable, uh, transitioning from road to off-road or simply like how to find a training group for them, even if that is on the road, and, and um, we're really excited about that. We'll also be having a couple of panels that feature influencers who have done a good job of using the digital space to build community. And um, as a resource, we want to we provide an area that's a resource for other women that are trying to create community within their local region or their niche sport. So we're, we're really excited about that. We'll have three, um, three different sessions next year.
1: That's huge. So, and next year is kind of where I wanted to wrap up. So, you and the team just went down to Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas. And basically, during the race weekend, you went down there um, to capture content and just to be on the ground. And I have been hearing and seeing such incredible demand from endurance athletes of all ilks (laughs) just wanting to get back into the swing and have something to train for and to really, really tap into their people again, right? Their community. And you're broadening that community, which I love so much because that's what makes it new again for all of us. But I also just want to kind of, can you talk about the energy that you felt on the ground there, even though, you know, maybe it wasn't ideal weather. You made the pilgrimage. I think so many of us wanted to end our season with down there. Yeah. um,
0: It would have been the last event of our season and it also would have been the inaugural. (laughs) big sugar gravel event. So it was unfortunate that we didn't get to put it on. We built such amazing momentum Uh, the year prior, sold the event out in four minutes. And we're really looking forward to carrying that momentum on and asserting this event within the space brand new. Like we had never expected it to take off the way that it did last year. And it was just amazing. So then when it rolled around, there was a little it's hard to say nostalgia because the events hadn't happened, but like, we definitely felt like we were approaching this date on the calendar that felt like there was a bit of a hole. Like we had already, ex- it it was a different emotional experience for that event because it was a baby. Yeah. And I, I kept saying like, okay, the the activations that we do for DK or Unbound or Leadville is different than Big Sugar because Big sugar doesn't have a reputation. There's no groundwork laid for it yet. Apart from what we were able to, like we created this facade of an event that didn't happen. And it, it was so successful that it sold the event out, but there was no one going home to their community to say this event was so amazing. So what happens? Like what happens two two years from now, because the event still will not have happened. And we're creating this like imaginary hype behind something. And we know the event is going to be amazing. Like we've seen, the course is amazing. We wrote it like the Bentonville area for cycling is amazing, but it still hasn't happened. No one has had that um, impression of the event yet. So firstly we created a virtual event called the sweet tooth challenge and that went on for 10 days and it was really fun. I mean, we, we did launch it during virtual event fatigue I'm calling it, but um, for everyone that participated, we tried to just create a fun experience that showed course footage and was playful. Um, But we also knew that we were coming into a year again of not having marketing assets because this event has never happened. So between feeling like we had this hole and knowing that we needed some marketing assets, the team just decided like we all were very like safe ahead of time that we came together um, in Bentonville and rode the course. And there were COVID friendly group rides that were going on, and we got onto the course and took some photography and videography. And the feedback that we just kept hearing, like how hard this course was, or um, how beautiful it was, or how different it was, I think it fulfilled something for all of us because it was like we are now at the point where we're starting to plan for 2021. Like we know that we're going to figure out ways to have events. We've all been figuring out ways like in the most safe capacity to start living our lives, to start training. And we need events. The event industry needs events next year. So that's a task. It's not going to be, there's no turnkey answer because every community is different. Community officials are different, but going down, experiencing the big sugar weekend, just ourselves was like that spark that we needed to say like, okay, it's planning time now. Yes, we've collected these assets, but we have this fire under us because we need to figure out how we're going to do this. How are we going to, how many athletes can we have on this course realistically now that we rode the whole thing? And how are we going to, it was like the fire that sparked even let's launch deferral registration for Leadville and Unbound. And like that, that momentum we've carried through really well into our work So, without a doubt, it was a really strong decision for us. Oh, yeah. Down there.
1: I did that challenge, and I have to say, it was really cool to get my box of swag and prizes in the mail um, just because I actually did complete the challenge. And my sister in law and I did that together, and it was really a cool thing. We were both kind of having a hard time with motivation and that was a trip we were planning together, like her first big gravel event. And she actually got in, which is miraculous. (laughs) So I just want to say that I was curious what it was look look like on the other side, actually being there, but just know, like from a participant standpoint, it was cool, really cool. And then to get the box after I kind of thought it was all, I kind of forgot about that. And it was such a cool surprise. Yeah. We saw great feedback on
0: social with that unboxing. Yeah. Flag was a little different. So that was cool, but yeah, I mean, in terms of like missing events, I would say we definitely on race morning it was weird. It's like we should yeah. be having the event today, but we fulfilled ourselves in other ways. Like we got to do some site visits and explore different venues, and um, I have a new a few new hires from last year till now. So it's like this is Bentonville, <laughs> and being able to just introduce that and take them out in the truck and show them the roads
1: was really helpful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was very, very inspiring to have you come on the show and talk about this year that we went through. And you have been an incredible leader. Your company is amazing. We're proud to work with you. But I just have to say, like if you could do, if you and your team can do what you did this year, I can't wait to see what you're going to do next year and the year after when we actually are able to get back together as a community, all of these communities, it's going to be Off the hook. There's no other way to describe it. (laughs) I feel like this energy already and it's only December. Yeah. Appreciate that. We're, we have some fun things in the pipeline too. So we're really excited about next year and carry on the momentum. And I'll have links in the show notes to all the different events and all of the things we referenced in here. And just again, Michelle, thank you so much. And I hope that you get to have like, some serious downtime this month before January hits <laughs> and the is flag brand drops. time now. <laughs> yeah, I know it is, and there's that's like your brain gets tired, but like I think that you and the team just deserve a little time as well because I you literally just hauled butt through this year. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, and I can't wait to report on the success as we get through the quarters next year. And again, I appreciate so much just. Being along on this ride with you has been amazing. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you're finding value in the channel mastery podcast, and I certainly hope you are, I'd love to ask that you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as rate and review the show on iTunes. Doing so helps more people discover the content, more specialty business and brand leaders can be helped by the incredible resources we're offering every week on the show. I also would like to invite you to join our community at channelmastery.com or verdepr.com. Sign up with your email and you'll receive special resources and content created just for friends of the podcast. You'll also receive advanced notice of new channel mastery trainings and offerings